This is The Playbook. This is Dave Meltzer with The Playbook, and I'm live at the Blue Wire Studios in the wind in the lobby here in Las Vegas at CES. And I'm so excited because this is one of not only my favorite executives, but one of my favorite companies in the world because they do well by doing good. Guy Prasad is the president of P&G, Procter & Gamble's new business unit, their innovation division, uh, which is so important today, Guy, uh, for what you're doing because I think with the great resignation going on that the larger companies in the world need to take a leadership position in attracting really good talent and retaining it to provide intrapreneurship or innovation within the context of larger organizations. And I think it's been... And I may, I may have been part of the problem for you, Guy, because it's romanticized with, you know, Gary Vee and myself, this world of entrepreneurship. And I started my career as an entrepreneur working for, you know, West Publishing that got bought by Tunson and Reuters in a $3.4 billion deal in 95. Um, I'm going to start with your position. Uh, how important is the new business unit and in innovation to Procter & Gamble? Because obviously you have great distribution, great products. Is it really a necessity to innovate and to, and to support these small businesses? It's a great lead question. And first, let me say, David, I'm so impressed. Like I was telling you that I I had heard about you before, but then actually to prepare for this, I actually read your full bio and I thought, wow, there's way more that he's done than I was aware of. So it's great. <laughs> well, just remember um, so me next time you need here. a judge. Remember me next time you need a judge for one of your competitions because I love okay, doing Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> I will remember that. I will remember that. Uh, and we're excited. Tomorrow we have our finalists and everything. Um, so we um, n many people forget, and even inside the company, that um, Procter & Gamble was founded by two entrepreneurs, William uh, Procter and James Gamble, and then it you know created a fairly large company after that. And we went through decades, centuries, because it was 1837 around when we were first founded, um, of a pretty insular innovation process. So innovation coming from the core, coming from within. In fact, one of the jobs I had um, in the past was the Tide brand manager, so Tide detergent. Many people would say, "You, what do you need to do as a brand manager on Tide? I mean, we use the Tide, it runs out, we go to the store, we buy more. Um, but you know, we there is a lot of innovation in our core business that still is the lifeblood of our company. However, um, in the last decade or so, especially, as you were mentioning, so many things have changed. Um, and the fragmentation of the market, the explosion of new brands, the speed at which innovation is happening, the level of disruption, we've realized that we need to create almost an entrepreneurial arm of our company. So my division, the new business unit, has a, a, an arm called P&G Ventures, which is solely responsible for creating new brands and new categories, new business models. Um, and we have operations in the U.S., China, and we're going global. Um, we focus a lot. Our tilt and our, our lean is towards partnering with entrepreneurs outside of P&G and startups. And then, as you mentioned, entrepreneurs finding a way to combine a best-of-both-worlds model where we take the ingenuity, the agility, the ideas, the passion that, that they have, and see if we can find a sweet spot and a win-win with the resources, the infrastructure, the know-how that we have as a company, and together create new businesses that neither of us could have done on our own. So that's that's almost the the core model of this ventures group, which is the the entrepreneurial arm of PNG. 
and economically, is it a lot more effective than a lot of the large conglomerates uh, utilize, which is wait for a company to get to 30 million, buy them for 100 million, you know, make the, the innovator a wealthy man or woman for the rest of their lives, and then put it through our distribution, you know, put, put our brand to it, put it through our distribution and make it a billion dollar company overnight. Is it more economical to create and co-collaborate with these innovators and entrepreneurs in order to effectuate products that are developed and grow through P&G than actually just purchasing something that you know has a, an audience big enough that can be amplified by P&G's community? I think it, uh, absolutely. I think it creates, on the second part of what you said, door number two, I think it creates way more opportunities when we see if we can partner early. The, our entrepreneurs or our entrepreneurs in the market, they of course always have the option to, to not do that and then wait until they get to a size where they can be acquired if that's the goal. Um, but early on in the life cycle, first, I think it increases the chances that some of these startups or entrepreneurs will see success. Second, it opens up a new form of a model for them. So it could be that getting to 30 million is gonna be much tougher than they thought on their own, or that um, they would like to actually see if they could do more pivots earlier. Um, we, had a, we had an entrepreneur that came to us a few years ago with, who had a lot of passion for solving um, tough skin conditions that he and his family were having. And one of them was eczema. And so he created a, a botanical natural solution for eczema, but came to us, we found each other because there was a lot of quality control needed on the project, product and manufacturing, which was tough for him to do. And he wanted to go bigger, faster and more channels. So we ended up doing a partnership and we have a brand called Bodewell today, which is, which is in this space to help consumers who have um, eczema, psoriasis and other skin conditions potentially eventually acne. Uh, and some of those initial product ingredients are in this formula and we have a partnership together. So that's an example of someone who said, hey, even before acquisition. Now we do still do those acquisitions. So we have about 12 different forms of partnerships that are options for entrepreneurs, all the way from, um, we, we actually have a technology that we think could be better for an external partner all the way up to acquisitions. But in between are, I think, the more exciting ones. Acquisitions are really tough. And the exciting ones include these types of partnerships where actually we create the business together. And how many companies, you know, ballpark, do you deal with a year from those 12 different opportunities that exist? How many new companies do you deal with? It really depends. This year, if I take last year as an example, 2021, we formed four new partnerships. Um, and of those four, four, four new companies, four new partnerships, and we had about eight that were under assessment, which as we get into this quarter, our first quarter, we'll make decisions uh, on those other eight. So about 12 in 12 months. And you guys have innovation challenges here at CES. Uh, there's an innovation challenge. We have our finalists here. And I do, as you know, I, I have to start uh, recruiting some of your companies because I have a TV show on Bloomberg called Two Minute Drill. And we're always looking for great innovators yeah. and would love to support. We give $50,000 of cash and prizes each episode so we could awesome. help support you as well and P&G. But, you know, you have a yeah. chance to win $10,000 here at CES. And what are some of the companies or criteria that you're looking for in this competition? 
We have, so we did a super open challenge. Um, we shared some of the spaces that we are interested in. So for example, we have um, a lot of consumers today. I mentioned um, the Bodewell example on skin conditions. This is one space. There's a lot of skin conditions. How do I have a good and healthy skin every day? Consumers in this area sometimes are confused. Why do I have this rash? How come I can't get rid of this itching? I want to be able to sleep comfortably. Um, or if you have a child, you know, from an acne standpoint, it's incredibly traumatic. And there is still, I feel, there is still no go-to product that are naturally and safe in some of these areas that really provide a long-lasting benefit. So not just kind of immediately help the acute issue, but uh, more of a long-term flare prevention. So that's one space. Another space that we're super interested in is active aging. So, and I'll give the example of menopause. So if you had asked me a year ago to talk to you about menopause, I would not have a clue. <laughs> um, now this is a really important space for us. Millions of women go through it every year. Hot flashes, night sweats, sexual wellness. So we have some products that, are, that were submitted and actually some in finalists for active aging for women and men. Um, and, and also active aging for men, of course, with things that, that happen to men as they go through you know, their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and want to still be vibrant and thrive and not try to fix a problem. So that's another area that we're super interested in. Um, food waste, environment, and water scarcity. We have a, a finalist that actually has an incredible food waste solution. Um, so these are some examples. We're really interested in pet care and how consumers that have pets can seamlessly live with pets not actually have to be a big burden. This whole no trade-offs thing is huge right now. So I don't want to have to trade off between something that's safe and efficacious or helps me and helps the environment. So um, founders and startups and entrepreneurs, the extent that you can break that paradigm and help provide no trade-offs, that's also a huge area. And we had rare submissions. We've, we had the highest ever from minority and female founders um, that we've had before. Actually, we had 60% of our submissions were from female entrepreneurs and 30% from Black and Latinx, um, which was for us um, breakthrough. And um, also, they, they, of course, came from everywhere. So we really want to include everyone. I'll tell you, one of the biggest problems I have on our pitch competition show is how the women are outclassing the men. I, I almost feel as if uh, we got to find some so some better men to start competing because we have so many women winners uh, of the episodes. They're incredible. <laughs> and uh, of course, uh, even the, the equity and inclusion that uh, now we have opportunities because of companies like P&G giving a platform an opportunity to not only share uh, their businesses, but also to give advice because there is an aspect in these competitions and challenges with P&G uh, with that support uh, of situational knowledge, experience, relationships, uh, P&G is at the forefront of helping small business, small entrepreneurs, new business with the 12 different programs that they have. Uh, but they are aligned, uh, Guy, with your values. And most people know this about me uh, running the most notable sports agency in the world to Sports One Marketing and the global marketing efforts that we have to my own personal endeavors in media that values are the most important. I have so many interns that come in and they want to learn to be a sports agent or a marketer or a digital marketer. And I say, well, first of all, what I really want you to learn are four values. And my four values are gratitude and forgiveness, accountability, and effective communication. P&G has been built over centuries <laughs> on values. And that corporate culture 
from the you know, 35 years that I've been blessed to be around uh, at mostly big sporting events, the support that you've given, not just to businesses, but to the community and to charities, your values always come first. You know, which of your values to you, as you've been with this company for uh, a long time, what are these key values for you? And do they still hold the place that they did, you know, uh, years ago uh, that they do today? I love your question. Uh, I, and also just how, how eloquently, eloquently and succinctly you know yourself um, with your values. I have to say, I've never actually sat down and thought, like, I know it's important to me, I'm gonna share in a second, but I've never thought with that level of, of clarity if I was to say four things. Um, so I, I, I just wanna say, I found that very inspiring. Thank you. Um, for me, so I, my family's from a country called Guyana, which I, I bet you've never been to and never will. <laughs> Uh, it's an incredibly small country, half a million people in South America. And I was the first person in my family to be born in the developed world. Um, actually, I live in the U.S. now. This is my home market. I've, it's my third step back in the U.S. I live in Cincinnati. But I was born in Canada. And I, I actually, ha I, I believe I have a non-validated claim to fame um, because I started skating at the age of two and I played ice hockey at the age of five. So I, I think I am the greatest Guyanese Canadian ice hockey player of all time. That is only my personal <laughs> nice that claim. I don't know if it's true, <laughs> but I to what you're saying, and also to link it to startups and entrepreneurs. So, I went to school at McGill, did my MBA there. I studied in Copenhagen. I then um, had the honor to live in four continents with PNG um, over 20 years, uh, with responsibilities for 60 countries. And this is my third time back in the U.S., and the U.S. has changed since 10 years ago when I was here last time. I've always been an outsider. And I am, I'm only here because countries and people very different from me have welcomed me and allowed me to contribute and have opportunities in whatever situation I was in. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't be close to being able to be on speaking with you um, and on this wonderful podcast. So... I feel like as big companies, we have a tremendous opportunity, and this is my number one value, to provide an environment where every individual can thrive and be heard. When, when I first moved to Cincinnati, it was 2000, and I had never been to Cincinnati before, um, didn't know what to expect. I packed up my Honda Prelude. I drove down the I-75 from Toronto to Cincinnati. Um, I was in a relationship with somebody from New York. I was like, what are you going to Cincinnati for, you know? <laughs> and I remember sitting there watching the barges on the Ohio River go by in my temporary apartment thinking, what am I doing here? Um, and I actually tried to become what I thought was needed. So I went, I noticed that everybody in the office was wearing khaki pants, had blackberries on their belt, and was wearing these kind of button-down Polo Ralph Lauren shirts and had a way of talking. So I went to J. Crew, I bought the outfit, um, I, I started to, I even went home and, and a couple of times my partner would say, you know, why are you trying to proctorize me with those words? Because I, I would that. use leverage and scale and everything. So then a buddy of mine said, look, guy, you love music. You used to always talk about musicals and music and singing and things. And of course I had put that on the down low cause I didn't want my professional and personal lives to meet cause I felt they would be disappointed. And he said, you have to audition for West Side Story. So I was walking by this um, kind of community theater and I decided to go in 
there's about 100 contestants. I know this is off topic, but I'm just going on tangent here. I like it. 100 contestants there. I, I had to sing, dance, and act for five minutes. So I did it when I was there. And I got the role of Bernardo, who's one of the leads in the kind of rival gang. And since then, I realized to be happy, let your innovation ideas flow and be more creative. You have to be yourself in whatever work you're doing. And the environment around you has to be conducive to that. So now, and I feel that as we get more senior in our roles and maybe have a little bit more success, we can think, okay, we have the playbook. It's going to be this way. So one, we need to be very hungry and humble to learn at every level, especially senior levels in big corporations where you think you have, you know, you think you know it all. One of the reasons why I love working with entrepreneurs from outside the company, create an environment where each individual can thrive. This is one of the reasons why I have trouble with groups. So, you know, Black, Latinx, um, female founders, um, you know, we, each individual within each group that we cluster is so unique. So creating an environment where they can thrive. My, you know, I would leave ice hockey practice and go and hang out with my family cousin from Guyana to like a Calypso party. And those two groups of people are completely different, you know, but they're both part of me. Um, and then the third one for me is just in terms of um, striving and achieving, I, I really believe that it's, it's very important to not make your classification or wherever you are the difference, but to try to make it about your results and your performance. So, you know, you never want to feel like you are somewhere because, you know, you needed to um, fill a quota or make a representation. You know, you want it to be about your results. When I was in Europe, I didn't know anything about the countries I was in. And they always looked at me. They looked at me like, okay, here's a here's an American or North American who's coming here. And I had to go to each country, try to understand the local culture to be able to do well. In China, I had to learn Mandarin and I had to make big connections with local customers. In Latin America, I knew nothing about devaluations and macroeconomic instability, which is the daily life of the economies there. So I had to go to town on that. Um, so try to learn unique skills that can help you thrive and win so that if somebody is growing 10%, you find a way to grow 15 and you take out of the equation whatever you might feel to be barriers to your success. So those would probably be the most things that are most important to me. And also why I think opening up capital and access to entrepreneurs is something that's very important that I need to help happen in big companies, which have so many resources. Uh, last question, because, you know, you can get lost in Procter & Gamble. You know, it, it is incredible how large... Uh, the company is and how hard it is to keep a corporate culture, especially today when, you know, remote working, uh, all the different aspects of change and accelerated change through not only innovation, but the pandemic and other things. But yet one of the common threads that I see through the employees and people that I know at your organization, including you, is that they have the common denominator, the same common denominator that I see with the billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, and entertainers that come on the playbook. And that is a desire that they must be what they can be. Uh, and it seems as if Proc Procter & Gamble seeks the best and finds the best, but also when I say they look for the best in, in everyone and regardless of what exterior uh, or beliefs that they may have, it's a very inclusive environment that has this common thread of being or pursuing your own potential. 
How have you experienced that within Procter and Gamble? This desire that you must be what you can be. I think it's uh, it's really a two way street. And just to share a little bit more about that, which is we we hire a lot from outside at different levels, but we've always had a a bit of a tilt towards trying to develop our own uh, talent. So. You know, you start in at the bottom and you work your way up and you have opportunities in coaching and training and development. And so I'd say these are rough numbers. I think I'm probably wrong, yeah. but 99% of all statistics are made up, by the way. Everyone has to, the only okay. statistic, 99% of all statistics are made up. So you're fine. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. And I'm trying, I'm trying, but I'm going to say 80%, you know, internal and 20% external, you know employees in our company, something like that. So the tilt is towards internal. So you always feel like you are, you know, given opportunities and there's a desire to coach and train and grow you and see what you can do and see your potential because we want the future to be our junior employees one day. Uh, and I think that helps a lot. I don't think it's the only, we, you know, we get criticized a lot for this, which is, well, it's very insular because you have so many people that are developed from the inside, but, but it's just a nice feeling to have that that you're going to be given every chance and you're going to be given an opportunity to grow. Now, on the flip side, it does create more of a, I would say, a, a demanding atmosphere and a high bar because you, you there's a lot of talent. So you are, you know, I would say for somebody who's junior starting out in their career, either at P&G or somewhere else, um, trying to avoid the internal competitiveness and really focusing on what are your gifts, what's unique about you, even when the first day you stepped into that company, there's tremendous talent that you have and make that just ex explode that. Don't worry too much about, you know what, I'm not perfect at these three things. Try to really thrive in the area that you're really, it's, it's in your wheelhouse. And of course, develop your blind spots. But I think that is a great two-way street. And I, I try, I mean, we have um, PMG Venture Studio, which is, the uh, r.com to try to give opportunities to entrepreneurs um you know if anybody has an idea if somebody has like something you want to i by the way i don't mean to this to be a plug but i'm realizing it sounds like it as i talk right. but just to give access to people that are outside the company because i i don't just want this to be a message that you know you can only succeed if you're inside like one of these types of organizations yeah no png is uh truly a world leader and i always say that as much as we need sustainable practices and green products and all the things that P&G really strives to do, we also need innovation because eventually the entrepreneur and innovators are who are going to save the world. As much as we you know, need to clean our oceans, eventually someone's going to figure out how to convert that plastic into energy or fill up the whole yeah. atmosphere or with all the clean foods and products that we have uh, just facilitate through innovation a better place for us all and I see Procter & Gamble and you, Guy Persaud, leading the way. President of Procter & Gamble's new business unit, the Innovation Division. Thank you so much for joining me, Dave Meltzer, here at Blue Wire Studios in the Wynn in the lobby of Las Vegas, the greatest studio I've ever been in.